Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and good morning. Welcome to another episode of My EdTech Life. And today we have a uh, we have a wonderful Friday show. I mean, it's we're laid back, we're relaxed. We've got a wonderful guest here. We've got Josh Buckley, who is one of the co-hosts or one of the hosts of Punk Rock Classrooms, and he is the official CRO, the <laughs> Chief Riffin Officer. I was working on that intro the whole time. I like it. I like it. I love it. So today we're going to have an awesome, awesome show, guys. And again, hopefully you guys had a wonderful or have had a couple of wonderful days off. Time to unplug, time to relax, time to spend some time with family, just self-care, taking care of yourself, recharging those batteries as we continue to just make our way through the school year, guys. So just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are doing awesome and just keep up the great work. And But today we're going to be talking with Josh, like I mentioned, and we're going to be talking about something that really stood out to me as, uh, you know, I was listening to their podcast, which if you haven't connected with them, please make sure you do. I'll be dropping some links and so on. They'll be in the show notes, but we're talking about feedback and how feedback can be very important to build community. And Josh really brought up some stuff in one of his reflections uh, that he did recently through Pop Rock Classrooms. And so we're going to be talking about the importance of feedback. But before we get into that, Josh, just yeah. for those of you, for those of uh, our audience members that may be joining, that may not be familiar with punk rock classrooms, maybe not be familiar uh, for, with what you do, please yeah. introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your context in education. And if you can, add one interesting thing about yourself. All right. You're not home. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad you're with us on this Friday. Uh, it's always, you know, it's the day after Thanksgiving. You know, everybody still has sweatpants on because you ate too much food yesterday. I'm I'm stoked to be here. So thank you, Fonz, for having me on the show. Um, so my name is Josh Buckley. I co-host a podcast called the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast, uh, where we kind of talk about the idea, the cross-section between education and punk rock. And so for Mike and I, that my other host with me, we both grew up in the punk rock scene. I was in bands. I went to shows all the time. Uh, I, you know, played guitar and attempted to sing in a couple different bands over over the years. And for me, growing up in the scene really taught me a whole bunch of stuff. And and I really think that that's what has made me be the educator I am. Right. So Mike and I met online, and we started talking about the idea of punk in education because we're both you know both punk punk rock fans. And so we said, "Wow, we, we see." We were, we were kind of built as educators by what we believe in with punk rock. Yeah, it is a passion, unity, and DIY. And so that really influences us as educators. And, you know, Mike is a, Mike is a, a principal, an elementary principal. And so what we see is good practice as both a classroom teacher and as a leader uh, uh, in education. How can you take those punk rock, that punk rock ethos, and sprinkle into, into what you do? So <clears throat> that's really what the show's all about. Uh, this is my 16th year in public education. So I spent 15 of those uh, as a secondary teacher. So I taught um, seventh grade all the way to 12th grade. I did one year at junior high, but most of my time was at the high school level. I taught uh, economics, AP macroeconomics, government, American history, world history, psychology, a little bit of everything over 15 years in education. There'd always be something to be like, 
hey, Josh, can you teach this this year? And I'm like, yeah, I can. that's fine. I got it, right? So I, I taught a bunch over the last 15 years. And then um, during that time, I served as union president for my local teachers association, right? So the largest district in Arizona, uh, Mesa Public Schools. I served as the president of the Mesa Education Association for four years. And before that, I served as a vice president for two years, all while teaching, right? So my, my last four years serving as president, I taught uh, part-time in the classroom as a high school economics and government teacher. And then the other part of my day was, you know, all the stuff that you do when you're in that role. So um, sitting in on evaluation, sitting in on discipline meetings, you know, working on campaign stuff to pass bonds and overrides for our district, a ton of district meetings on working conditions and bargaining and all that stuff. So that took um, a good chunk of my time. And this year I find myself at an elementary campus serving as a Title I specialist. I, I am taking that next step in my education journey and have left the classroom to kind of work on uh, what's next. And for me, that that that's kind of in the realm of educational leadership. And um, being a Title I specialist allows me to work with teachers, coach teachers, do PD, run a budget, do all those things, uh, and really helps me learn elementary school. So I, I had a, um, a great principal who um, said, hey, I've, I've got a Title I job opening. I'd like you to come be here. And I said, Okay, cool. I'm in. So this that's where I'm at now as a Title I school improvement specialist. So that's been me. Oh, interesting fact. Um, I don't know, like there's a bunch of guitars behind me. So let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different stringed instruments behind me. So a lot of dumb guitars in my house. <laughs> there you go. And of course, I, the chief riffing officer. Yeah. You need to have the right. If I move, you can see you can see four four of them there. And the other four are in a corner. So yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but like I was saying, I mean, you need the tools for the job. Yeah, right? exactly. That even includes pedals. <laughs> wink, wink. <for> so <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Josh, listen, I really love yeah. what you said as far as all of your experience and I mean, going in from all different angles and lenses. And like we were talking earlier in the pre-chat, I mean, even from coaching to all the teaching that yeah. you've done. And then moving into this Title One position, I've seen you post some things where you're even covering like kinder oh, pre-k classroom. Yeah, yeah i love that and that is so cool how you're still you know being part of the classroom experience so tell us a little bit about that you know yeah if for, for me so i figure my job as a title one specialist is really to just be i'm 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 teacher support on campus so my job is to support teachers whether that's finding resources whether that's working with students who are having a little bit of trouble in class or whether that's you know, coming in and, and observing teachers or helping teachers however I can. And so that helping my campus, I essentially say, whatever you need me to do, I can do it. That means that I come in and I fix projectors or I, you know, reconnect computers to stuff. Or sometimes I'll teach kindergarten music, right? If that's if that's what needs to happen that day, I'm there and I do that. Um, I've done fourth grade math this year. I've done, you know, music a couple different times. I've covered sixth grade uh, social studies for a little bit. So I've been in and out of classrooms and really that's been really good for me, right? So this this is really my first year out of the classroom, you know, as a classroom teacher, um, even though I spent four years as, uh, you know, as part-time in the classroom, I still got that fix every day, right? I got to go in, I got to interact with kids, I got to teach kids, I got to talk about stuff. So this year I don't I don't get that as much. So being able to go in and cover a class and and hang out with students and and talk about stuff, I think my favorite day. I mean, teaching kindergarten music is you just pull out the bongo and we just do freeze dance, right? That's fun. But 
I'm, I'm not a math teacher, but I taught fourth, I did a fourth grade math lesson. Um, and I was, you know, I, can I do fourth grade math? Yes. But you know, like I'm not, I didn't go to school to be a math, to, you know, to, to specialize in math or, or get a lot of instruction in, in, in math. In fact, I liked college algebra so much. I took it twice in college. So, uh, <laughs> but that was the most fun I'd had. And it, it was, that gave me my classroom experience again, right? Like having a classroom full of kids and being like, all right, guys, let's learn this. You ready? Okay, here we go. Right. And that, that just brought me a ton of joy. And so being able to step in and, and, and help a teacher out if they have to leave early for something, or if we can't find a sub that day, you, you know, I mean, every educator right now, every teacher is talking about you just a sub shortage and not being able to have enough subs on campuses. And so, you know, I fill in where I need to, when I have to, to help, help our campus. That's my job, you know? And that's great. You know, that you step into that role and you're, you know, with all the experience that you have, I mean, it's like, boom, you know, I'm here and you see yourself in support and you're out there yeah. around. So I want to talk about that a little bit because it kind of ties sure. into what we're talking about, which is, you know, how feedback builds community. Yeah. So now the fact that you have the ability, you know, whether it's because there is a, a sub shortage or you have to fill in for a teacher, or you're there for teacher support. You know, from what you're seeing within your campus and, you know, the roles that you've been able to fill up, yeah. how important is that to you for your current job right now as a Title One specialist, you know, and being able to see and get that firsthand lens, that firsthand view, oh. that feedback? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, I'm not actually an administrator this year, although I think folks on my campus see me as one because I, I work with our two administrators, you know, my, my principal who's there full time. And then my Dean who's there a uh, half day, um, we work together on a whole bunch of stuff. Right. So my campus sees me in that role, but it's really important for me to find out what's going on with them and what's going on with students. Right. Cause if, if, if I'm supposed to help them be better at their job, I think about my job, you know, we have, you know, 450 kids on campus. My goal is to make sure that those kids have the best education possible. And the only way I can do that, I'm not in the classroom every day teaching kids. So I don't get to go like, oh, I've got these 30 kids. These 30 kids are going to get the best education possible. My role is to support all of our teachers on campus so that they can be the best they can be, so that they can be the best for those students, right? So those students get the best education possible. And the only way I can do that is if I know what my teachers need. Right. What is what do my teachers need? What do my counselors need? What is my you know, what does my school psych need? What do they need for me? What do they need from the district that I can help connect them with to to help them be better? And that's the only way that I'm going to be able to make sure that those 450 kids who come through our door every day and visit our campus and hang out with us and, and learn from us, get the best education possible. So that's my job. My job is to find out what people need. And the only way I'm going to find out what people need is to talk to them and to listen to them and hear what they have to say. So being able to pop into classrooms, being able to just watch what's going on in a class, right? I'm not an evaluator. I don't evaluate teachers. Um, I can, you know, I coach teachers. So I pop in and it's not the pressure of like, oh man, I'm being evaluated right now. It's, it's me being there just to see what's going on, just to interact with kids, just to see what we can help with. And this year has been a year where we, you know, we're implementing a new assessment program this year in my district. So that's, that's been a bear, right? It's a brand new thing. It's, it's all online. It's all different for us. We are also going through a text or curriculum adoption right now, right? A textbook adoption. That is a whole nother layer on top of stuff. And so what can I do to help my teachers through that process? 
what can I hear from them that I can relay to the folks that I work with at district to go, Hey, what can we do to make this, this thing work better? This isn't working the way we wanted to. We expected this new program to do this, but it's not really doing that. My teachers are complaining about the sort of, you know, the, the workload behind it and, and creating groups in it and all these different things that what can we do to make it easier or so that they can use it to, to benefit students. If they can't benefit students and they don't have the time to benefit students, then what, what are we doing it for? Right? So I, I really see my job as, is listening and, and trying to understand what I can do better or what we can do better as a campus to help, to help those, those educators on our staff. You know, and that's great that you described that, you know, as, as you know, I, I guess, and in order to get your teachers to feel very comfortable, like you said, you know, they don't feel that pressure because they know that you're not there to evaluate, but they're there to help. I mean, coming into this position immediately, you had to work on establishing those relationships. Oh, for sure. With your teachers. And that's something important. And especially, you know, when you are new to that campus, you've got all the right. teachers just kind of like, I mean, you like, what are they up to? And, you know, it takes a while for a lot of teachers. I mean, they've seen people come in. I'm sure, you know, yeah. education, you know, administrators, they come in, they come out, new people come in, new people come out. And, you know, sometimes that's very difficult for teachers too, as well as there hasn't been maybe some consistencies and, you know, or constants within campuses. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how now you're able to get this feedback, but the importance of building that relationship, like right from the get go, what were yeah. some of your obstacles that you kind of had to overcome? So I am on a campus. I was lucky enough. I, you know, am in the middle of my second master's degree because one is just never enough. Right. <laughs> so I'm on, I'm on my second master's degree right now. And last year I got to do an internship on this campus. So I got to meet teachers last year. I got to work with the principal. This is my principal's 10th year on that campus. It's our dean's. She had my job before as a Title I specialist, but she's been on that campus for seven years. So there's some longevity on this campus. We've had, we have lots of teachers who've been there for, for a decade, right? So I'm coming in as the brand new guy and I'm coming in as the secondary guy, right? Like I, I'm not, I wasn't an elementary educator. I didn't spend my time in elementary school. So that's been a barrier for me, but I've just had to be really honest in my interview when there's a, when there's someone from each grade level in my interview, just to, you know, to be there for the interview panel, I had to be really honest and say, I don't know. I'm not an expert in elementary education. I'm not, I don't know everything that happens at an elementary school, but what I do know is how to find people and how to find resources. And I'm going to do whatever I can do to learn as much as I can. Cause that's the other thing about, I, I, I like to learn. So I'm going to dive in and I'm going to do it all. And I'm going to be there. And really just being honest about that has been really helpful. So my favorite thing to say to people is, I don't know, but I'm going to find out, right? Like that's, that's my, that's what I say when teachers go like, Hey, Josh, um, I'm looking for blah, 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 blah. Do you know where I can find that? And I say, Nope, but I'm going to find out. Right. I try to be really honest. And I, I think that goes a long way with people to build those relationships. And on top of that, I'm, that's part of the reason I'm everywhere that you might need me to be is because I want people to know that that's, that's what I'm there for. So I'm, I do parent pickup duty and parent, you know, student drop off and student pickup every day, every day I'm out there. I do that duty always. Right. So teachers know I'm out there doing that every day. Teachers know that I'm in the cafeteria almost every single day doing cafeteria duty with students, right? 
That's my one time to see every single kid on campus and every teacher because every teacher drops off their students. So if I'm there, I get to make connections with every kid and I get to make connections with every teacher who comes through to drop off their students, right? It's automatically a place where they can find me, where they can ask me a question, where we can talk about something. So I just try to be visible and that's really helped build those relationships. And it really just comes down to popping in classrooms and going, hey, what do you need help with? What can I do? What do you need from me? Right? Or how's it going? Really? I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is how's it going this year? Right? That you ask any teacher that question and then you might have to go like, oh, okay, well, why is that happening? What do you think about, well, you know, that they, you learn so much just from that one question. Right. And I think that's so important. Like you yeah. said, and one of the things I, I'm sorry to interject, no, real quick, yeah. but like I think I had Dennis Matthew who was on the show recently. And one of the things he said, which I think that you do very well. And from the way that I hear you speak and everything and how important it is for you to get that feedback, but is if you ask somebody how they're doing, be prepared to stop and listen and not just say, oh, okay, well, I, I gotta go. I mean, yeah. it's so important that you really listen and like you were saying right now, it's like, well, let's find out. Let's get down to the root and let's yeah. see what we can change. That's definitely important. We have we have two teachers that were student teachers at the beginning of the year. And we ended up, we grew a little bit this year. We had more students um, enroll. And so we had and that two extra contracts open up. And so we hired student teachers. Arizona has an emergency cert that you can do for those student teachers. And they become a classroom teacher. So... They're getting paid a full teacher salary while they are a, you know, they're a student teacher, but we've, we've emergency sorted them into the role of, of an educator. Those two teachers are teachers. I'm constantly like, I meet with them every other week and I go, Hey, what's up? What do you need? How's it going? Okay. Tell me about you were, you were having trouble with student X. There was some behavior stuff. Fill me in. What's happening since last time we talked, we got this behavior plan going for him. How's that working? Right. What resources do you still need? Did you get X, Y, and Z, right? What can I make sure, you know, that I could, that I can help you get? What do you need help with? Do you need to know how to put in a sub day? Do you need, need all those little things? I, I just want to listen to hear what's going on and then figure out where they're at and be able to see what they need from me. Sometimes they don't need anything from me. Sometimes they just want to like, they want to talk about it, but I always try to end with, okay, what do you need me to do? What can I do for you to help the to help help this get better, right? Um, or to just improve your day to day on this campus? Like, what can we do to help you be, be a better teacher? And that's my job. And so, listening to folks and getting that feedback, and really, you have to ask for. I have to ask about how am I doing at my job, right? That's that's the big thing. If I don't ask how I'm doing, how am I going to know? Right? I, how am I going to know that I'm doing my job right? So we recently, and this was you had mentioned at the beginning of the show, the uh, episode, uh, the punk rock reflection I did on feedback. Every other week, Mike or I take the mic for the show, and we do a reflection, and we talk about something that's going on in in our life as educators, or in just in general. Uh, and so one of the things that happened for us is we asked our staff for feedback. We talked to staff, we talked to classified staff, certified staff, we talked to our parents and we talked to students and we gave them very similar questions and had some open dialogue with them. And we have to be prepared to act on that feedback about what we heard. What can we do differently? You know, how can we make our campus more welcoming to our students, to our staff and to our parents? That was one of the questions, right? What can we do to make you feel more connected to this campus as a student, 
as a staff member, as a parent. And our goal is to work on that, right? So we had to take all that data in. I took in all of those listening sessions. I went through them. I picked out key stuff. I put it all down, found common denominators between them. And our goal is as a leadership team is to like, how do we address those? How do we bring those back to our staff to get more clarity? How do we bring that back to our staff to build an, ac an action plan in order to, to do that? Because when we hear from staff, like, you know, we, we want a little more staff recognition. Well, what does that look like? What can, how do you like, what does that look like for, for us? Like, do you want something big? Do you want something little? Do you just want something in the announcements? What can we do differently to, to make that happen? And so, uh, and one of the ones was, you know, about communication, about some changes to communication, right? We've had a, we've had a lot of new stuff rolling out this year. And so that takes different ways to communicate it. And so we're going to work with our staff to figure out what's the best way, you know, what's the best way to get you information now? We have all these different platforms that we use. We have WebEx in our district, not, I know some people use Google Teams or Microsoft Teams or whatever it is. WebEx is our platform we use from Cisco. And so how do we utilize that better? You know, we hear teachers say like, oh, I haven't opened that all year because it was a big thing we used during the, um, you know, we used that during the pandemic a lot. That was a way we did a lot of communication. But now that we're not, you know, we're not in the middle of that. I mean, we are, but in my district, like we're still, we're all in person. You know, we don't have virtual kids on our campus anymore. There's a specific virtual campus for kids who were staying virtual. Um, so there are teachers who like, oh, I haven't opened that all year. And my principal goes like, I've been putting stuff up there. <laughs> right? That's, so like, we're like, okay, now that we know that, how do we fix this? Right? Like, what are we doing to make sure that that communication's a little better? So it really is, you've got to listen, you've got to ask for clarity and you've got to be prepared to like own what didn't work and just go, okay, let's fix it. How do we do it? Right. And, and ask what's the best way to solve this problem. Right. Because again, like I started off with, I'm not an expert, right? I'm not an expert. And I, I think that's the one thing that that's sometimes hard to admit as someone who like was a social studies teacher for a long time and like, oh yeah, ask me any question. I know, right? Like I could, you know, oh, government, econ. Yeah, no, I got that, right? And I could, I just could go through my curriculum. Um, but now you, you have to be comfortable with saying, I'm not an expert in that, but I know someone who is an expert in that. I know somebody who's really good at that. They're all over my campus. I just have to tap into them to help them, help me help this campus get better. You know, and I think that's so important that you said just losing that fear of being able to go and ask and, right. you know, Right now, I think you're hitting on so many things that I would love to talk about because I love on your episode, the way that you talked about that, the, the event that you held where you yeah. feedback from parents, you know, and so the, the reason that I'm, I'm, I want you to go into that a little yeah. bit, just describe is just because oftentimes, and I have felt many times when we hear or use the word learning community, it's only students, teachers, and administrators that are included but parents are not seen as part of that learning community. And at least that's been my lens and my perspective. And I am all about parent engagement. And one of the things you hit on too is how do you make parents feel welcome at the campus, right. be part of that team. So tell us a little bit about this event yeah. that you guys held. So, I mean, for us, we wanted to, we could have tackled it a bunch of different way, right? We, we could have tackled it as a way of like, how do we, do we invite parents to us and go like, hey, we want to have a listening session. Please come join us. You're going to get the same parents that always come to those things. And those aren't the parents you, I mean, 
if you want to hear from them, I could ask the same parents and parent pickup line every day, right? Because I see them. Those are the parents who would show, um, who would be able to be at this event when we said, hey, come join us at, you know, three o'clock on campus, right? Uh, so what we decided to do is, is we do, uh, we do Peter Piper pizza nights uh, once a quarter. Or I think we do, we do three a year. And so we decided to use our Peter Piper pizza night as a way to engage parents. We didn't put it on the flyer. We didn't say, Hey, come to this event. Talk to us about, right. We didn't want to like, we didn't want to like go, Oh, they're going to talk to us. What were they? didn't want it to be weird. So we just used Peter Piper pizza night. We came up with some, some listening session for like just some paper with some questions on it. And we went around and we talked to parents. They just got done eating pizza. Their kids are running around having fun. We have a bunch of teachers there. We're there. It's our fundraiser. It's a fundraiser for, for campus, but it's also lots of parents come and they're not always the, they're not always the parents who will come into the office and ask questions in the office. They're not always the parents who are going to call the principal and say, Hey, I don't, I don't like how this is happening or we should change this. So it gave us an opportunity to engage parents we don't, we might not always hear from in a place that was comfortable. They're not be, they're not in the principal's office. They're not in a conference room on our campus. We're at Peter Piper Pizza, right? Like it's loud. It's like there's games going off. There's kids are running around. It gave us a space where we could have that conversation. And so we ran around and we talked to parents and we we made sure that you know, we reached out to our Spanish speaking parents who were there, right? So one of our teachers went around and, and, and engaged some of our Spanish speaking parents, talked to them in Spanish, asked the questions in Spanish, took down all the, took down notes and information. Uh, and then we just, we just tried to engage those families. And really we asked them the big question, the big questions that I think were the most important for us were like, what can we do to help your student be more successful? What would you like to see us do to help your student be more successful? And what can we do to make you make Jefferson a more, you know, comfortable place for you when you come to campus? Right. And the feedback we got on those have been really helpful. And, and we had parents go more events like this, right? We want to be able to come together as a school community. We want to be able to like hang out and not always like we have to come to campus for curriculum night or what, you know, whatever it is, they want to, they want to be able to celebrate the community that we have in a way that's fun, right? And that doesn't have to be tied to learning objectives and doesn't have to be tied to this year in math, your student will be learning, right? Like they want to engage into us as a community because you really got to think about it. That elementary school, wherever you're at, is a center for that community. It truly is, right? Like it is connected to so many people and so many families and those families have connections to so many other things that you're a hub. So you should be a place that's welcoming to those families and, and hearing from parents about like, they wanted more opportunity to build community. And, and we're like, okay, then we're doing it. How are we going to make it happen? Right. We had parents say like, we want to come back in again for breakfast in the morning. Where can we invite grandparents in and all of these different things. And so we're like, okay, we got to get back to that. We had a year and a half, two years where we, we couldn't do any of these, you know, we couldn't do any of these things. What can we do safely this year to, to ensure that we've got some more connections with parents? So it's, it, it, it was a really great event to hear from parents in a place and disarming sounds like the wrong word to use, but that's, I mean, it really was a place that 
where we didn't have our guard up because it wasn't on our campus. We weren't like in our school mode. I was dressed in a giant dinosaur onesie because it was a Halloween. It was our Halloween, you know, uh, costume party at Peter Piper Pizza, right? So like I have a dinosaur onesie on. My principal has a uh, a Jaguar outfit on with, you know, where the, where the Jaguars with a tutu on and we're just talking to families. And I'm sure we looked ridiculous, but it is very disarming, right? We're, we're not dressed up in the office having these conversations. We're at a kind of a, a neutral place where we can have those, those talks. You know, and that's so wonderful and so great that your campus went above and beyond and used this activity to get that feedback. And I think you're absolutely correct too, as well as when you're able to speak to parents just outside of yeah. a campus and you actually, you, it's almost like you went to meet the parents where they're at. And of course, everybody loves food. You know, kids are entertained, right? <laughs> so if you can entertain the kids, you can have a nice meal, but just have a nice chat. And like you said, it's just very, just, Hey, you know, we just want to know we, and it shows that you care. And I think that's something that's great. And I mean, to me, it's people may think like, oh, well, that's not, I mean, to me, it's innovative. In fact, that, you know, you're going up above and beyond to meet the parents where they're at and get that feedback. Because like you said, one thing that I loved is your school is your hub for that community. And yeah. absolutely correct. The connections that are made there, you know, from within the campus, the families and so on, it makes a huge difference to build that community. And uh, I absolutely love that. So. Now, we talked a little bit about there, the parents, you know, some of the things that they want. You took that feedback and now you create your action plan. You go back, you saw what the feedback is, what the feedback was, and now you move on to do the next thing. So yeah. now I want to ask you, how about with your teachers? You mentioned earlier, yeah. you've got a new testing platform that's coming. You've got some new curriculum that yeah. you're working on and so on. What are some ways that you and, of course, all the administrative staff there now yeah. You know, what are ways that you go about getting feedback from teachers? So we we did a very, we did a, a, we asked very similar questions. We were intentional about it. We use a staff meeting and we essentially said, hey, you guys are in tables. We're going to give you some questions. We want someone at your table to facilitate a conversation around these questions. And we're going to build, you know, we, we want to get feedback on what's going on. We are, uh, we were over a quarter into the year. Um, what's going on? What's going right? We started the year with some questions about, you know, what do you want to add to what we do? What would you change? And what do you want to keep doing? Right. That's how we started our school year. And we were working on some of those as the school year went. This was our second sort of check-in with staff to go, okay, how are we doing so far? What can we do differently? And so we heard that feedback from staff. There were a couple of things that popped up. It was, you know, we had communication was one of those things. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the most important things about any campus, right? And so it wasn't anything where I was like, oh my gosh, like we don't ever tell anybody. It wasn't that, but it was like, it was just, you know, some things popped up on a couple of the different sheets about some communication stuff. Some things popped up on the sheet about, you know, staff recognition, social club stuff. Uh, and then teacher and student expectations came up and it wasn't worded that way. But after looking at a couple of comments for me, that's what it boiled down to. So for us, we're taking that, we're taking that information and, and we brought it to our team leaders. So every grade level chair, right? We meet together twice a month. And so we came together and we put it in front of them and we're using, I mean, this is, this is super edu edu speak, but we're using a multi-tier system of support, um, like problem solving practice in order to solve those problems. Right. 
So it's it's super edgy speak, right? But it's forcing us to be very intentional about each of those items, right? Okay, this is the item. What are we going to, you know, let's brainstorm some solutions to it. Okay, these are the ones we agree with. Who's going to do these parts, right? How we, what what's the data we're going to collect or what's the feedback we're going to collect? Whether that's, you know, a, whether that's, you know, um, you, you actual like, hey, people took a survey on this or whether we're just going to try to see how it works and see what engagement looks like on things. But that's really going to drive it. And in that conversation with our team leaders, we decided, you know what? We want it. We want more clarity from staff. We want to know exactly what staff was thinking, because this was essentially like, we want them to help us build the solutions for this, right? Because if if it were just the admin team, it were just the three of us, and we made the decision of, okay, this is what we're doing, boom, and we put it into place, we don't know if that's actually what anybody wants, right? We don't know if that solves the problem or if we just think it solves a problem, right? And then we don't know if people are going to go along with it, what the buy-in is going to look like from that. So, so that sort of punk rock mindset, the idea for, for, you know, on our show, that punk rock classrooms mindset of DIY comes really in important when we talk about how do we build this together, right? How do we do it our, ourself, maybe not yourself, but do it ourselves, DOI or, D, or do it at DIO, right? Rodney James DIO. How do we do this ourselves? How do we do this together? And so we're going to bring some of this back to our whole staff and have a larger conversation. There's this book I read uh, called um, Dream Team. It's right on my shelf next to me about making change in schools. And it really talks about you build your team. And one of the processes you do is you come up with a hundred solutions to a problem. And it seems overwhelming and crazy, but you say that you come together, come up with as many solutions as you can. Yes, get to a hundred. Will some of them be impossible? Yes. Will some of them be on, you know, maybe not the easiest to do? Yes. But in that hundred, you will find a couple that are, that, that you feel that you can really do. And so our goal is to build a bunch of solutions with all of our staff, let them brainstorm the different ways to tackle these issues and then figure out which ones we can actually get done and which ones we can actually do from that list. And it's our list. It's, it's our list as a staff. It's not just the administrator's, you know, decision. It's a staff decision. Staff owns it. Staff goes, yep, we're going to try this. Okay. Communication was a thing. We're going to, you know, we have teachers who weren't using this WebEx platform, but if as a staff, we go like, nope, we're going to use it. And here's what we're going to do. And staff has agreed, you know, a majority of staff has agreed. This is the, this is the platform we're going to use in order to solve this communication thing or work on this communication thing. Then the whole staff goes, okay, if this is what we're doing, then this is what we're doing. Right? Like we agreed on it. It wasn't, it wasn't my principal saying, and every day you will make sure that you log into this and check your message. That's it's what can we agree on? as a staff to help us get past these barricades or, or, or these, you know, these barriers that we have, um, in communication to help things work better on our campus. So it has to be our decision. It can't be my principal's decision or our admin team's decision. It has to be as a campus. I mean, some things you have as a, as a leader, some things you, you have to go like, yeah, we can't do that. We have to do this, but whenever you can seek feedback and clarity and, for me, when you can make communal decisions, those are the decisions that are going to be, that are going to have the most follow through, have the most buy-in, and then are probably going to work the best because everybody's going like, yeah, we can do that. We can make that happen, you know?
you know, that, that's just amazing. Everything that you described there, you model it just number one, the relationship is important. Number two, the communication that you see, I see or hear from your admin staff down to your teachers. Yeah. And the fact that they want the teachers to be part of this, and that is so important that you're making it your, like, as in a pool, like your campus is coming together, agreeing on some of these solutions, working together and striving to find what fits best. And yeah. that is something that is so important that oftentimes you really don't see or you really don't hear because it's always whatever comes up from the top. That's exactly what needs to be done. Right. I think, you know, this kind of reminds me of when I was in the classroom, you know, sometimes I think that maybe some administrators may think, well, this will just take too much. This is too much work. It's just easier for me to just say, you do this, do this, do this. But in the end, you know, the more time you invest, I always go back to that return on investment. When you build right. a community, like I hear you guys have filled and the way that you get that feedback. Reminds me of when I was in the classroom that, hey, we're all in this together. And if something just doesn't work with Mr. Mendoza's lesson doesn't quite work out, hey, it's okay. Like if one of the students says, hey, it's okay, Mr. Mendoza, I figured it out this way. We could try it this way and be like, oh yeah, let's go ahead and do that because right. it works better. That's so important. You're right. And I think we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky on a campus in a district where we have, we have an early release every Wednesday. So our students are released early every Wednesday. We have built in PLC time and built in like staff time. So we have the gift of time every Wednesday. Our students leave campus. Uh, Pickup is at noon instead of two o'clock on those days. So kids get out two hours early on Wednesday. We have an hour of PLC built into that at early release time and an hour of an hour, hour and a half that we can use for staff time. So we have the gift of time to be able to bring staff together and go, hey, Let's solve this. What can we do to make that happen, right? Like we have the benefit of that. Not every district, not every, not every place has that built-in time. So you've got to ask teachers to do it after school, after they've like just taught the whole day and you have to go like, okay, we're going to do this in a half an hour chunk before you all leave today. We have that built-in time. And, and I appreciate that, you know, that our district has seen the, the importance of, you know, professional learning communities and the importance of being able to come together to do this MTSS system of like solving issues on campuses, because again, it could be just the principal making that giant decision, but is, do we know if that's what'll work? We don't, if we don't ask for feedback, we don't see clarity, if we don't see what's going on, just like when you're a teacher, just like you said, Fonz, like sometimes you got to ask your kids. I ask my kids all the time. I did one at, I asked them all at the beginning of the year, what can I do to be a, a better social studies teacher for you this year? right? What did you, you know, what do you need for me to help you be a better learner this year? And then at the end of the year, I sought feedback from kids on, right? And for me, I taught a semester course. So at the end of the semester, I would ask the question, like, what, what was the thing you remembered or enjoyed the most about this class? If you could change something that we did this year, what, what would it be? And how can I be a better teacher for next semester's kids? What can I do better? That helped me get better every time I asked those questions. Did some of the answers sting a little? Yes. But how do we get better, right? How do you get better if you can't take the sting? You know, like sometimes you just have to take it on the chin and go like, okay, now I know I won't do that again, right? Like it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough thing, but if, if we want to get better at what we do, we have, to, we have to hear from the people that we work with. And that's kids and that's parents and that's your staff. You have to. Otherwise, how are you going to know what you're doing right or wrong?
And sometimes it sucks to hear it, but <laughs> if you can work on that, you won't have to hear it next time, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so important too. And recently I also had a, a guest, uh, he said, you know, best thing to do is always ask your students for feedback because they've been in the school system, K through 12, they've seen so many answers. They know what works for them. They know what doesn't work for them. They can probably be like, be very truthful and honest and even give you some tips as far as like, Hey, you know, that strategy, that big fair share, it's actually done like this because I've seen it done before and so on and so forth. And I actually, I brought that up once in one of our meetings say, Hey, you know what? Our students are, can be the best evaluators and we really want to know what it is that we're doing. But again, it, it's that sting that comes with it that often people fear because, you know, and it's okay. I mean, it, it hurts a little bit, but it's only things that are going to make you feel better. I mean, don't you want to improve? I mean, I, I remember telling a teacher one time, also, we had a discussion, we were talking and you know, she says, well, I've been teaching for 25 years. And, and I said, well, have you been teaching for 25 years? Or have you been teaching the same lesson for 25 years? And it kind of hit her like, oh, like she had never thought about that. And I kind of just challenged her a little bit. And then we became best friends. And now she's been doing so great. And she's just an amazing educator. And it was just one of those things where it just kind of, oh, I never saw it that way or never thought about it that way. And now, I mean, she's doing all sorts of tech and you know, when it's needed, but it, yeah, sometimes it's refreshing to kind of be like, oh man, I never thought about it that way. Let's try things differently and let's try this and show off and just add a little seasoning to what you already do. Great. Like I always tell my teachers and people that I work with, I'm saying, look, I'm not trying to change your style. I just add a little seasoning, flavor your lesson, you know, accordingly, add a little here, yeah. a little there, but you're cooking up something great and just serve it up and make it exciting for the students. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's all about like, you know, we have so many tools and so many things that we can apply to what we do. We don't have to use them always, but there's little things that we can add that make things easier, that make connections easier, that make things more engaging, you know, whatever it is. And, and, you know, what are the ways that we can do that, that don't get stale? And when something gets stale, that we realize that it's stale and we don't do it anymore, right? We go like, okay, yeah, that worked five years ago, but it's just not, it's just not working anymore. Like my staff is in a different place. I'm in a different place. The kids on our campus are in a different place. We can't use that thing. And yes, it was great. It was awesome five years ago, but it's just not, it's not doing what we want it to do. And it's just having to be, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with your staff. You have to ask for that honest feedback. Uh, and you have to, you have to work on it. <laughs> that's the, that's the tough part is it was, very, I, like I said, I, I taught secondary social studies for a long time. I taught the same, I taught government and econ for a long time. It was real easy for me to just get in my, nope, this is what I'm doing. This is how I teach this part. This is what I do that. But asking those kids for feedback and then challenges would come up. I'm going to tell you like having to teach during the pandemic and having you know, um, having to push everything onto Canvas. We'd had Canvas in my district for like six years, right? As a, as a, as a tool. I'd never really fully used it. I never did any of my, I never did, I did my final exams on it because we had to, but I never used it as, as a, 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 for tests. I didn't use it for all sorts of stuff until I was forced to because of, because of the pandemic. 
And I found engagement for my kids in a way that I'd never found it before, just by opening up discussion boards. I did a weekly discussion board on Canvas. I had kids who would never have raised their hand or would have talked out loud in class, wrote some real good feedback to their peers, had good discussions on things that they learned, had good reflection on those things. And I never would have seen that. And I never would have allowed them to do that as learners. I always ask my kids like, okay, with your neighbor right now, I want you to talk about this. And I could walk around it here and they could have those conversations. But this is a way for me to go like, oh man, I'm seeing kids just reach out to a kid across the, across the classroom, across, you know, anywhere to have those conversations. And that was really cool to sort of, to like, sometimes you have to try something new because it can, it might work, but you just have to be willing to take that, take that step. Exactly. And then sometimes that, that first step is, can be the hardest, but I love what Mel was saying. You know, sometimes it's very hard for educators to kind of let go and grow. You know, so it's, it's, it's very difficult, but you know, yeah, this is what it is. Well, I think, I think take... Mel's right. But, I mean, we get, we get siloed in the four walls of our classrooms a lot. It's really hard to not be in those four walls because we roll in, we teach our kids, we leave to go to the bathroom, we come back, we teach our kids and it's, and it's really hard sometimes to, to, to go see what other teachers are doing, to learn from other teachers. And that's why I think a if we want to help teachers grow, leaders on campuses have to give time and space for teachers to observe each other, for teachers to have real conversations, for teachers to hear feedback from each other, for teachers to learn from each other. But can't just be space and time. As teachers, we have to be willing to go do those things. We have to be willing to go observe a team member. We have to be willing to have tough conversations about our grade books and grading practices and engagement strategies and what we're doing. Because if we're not willing to do that, we really do get stuck in those four walls. And we do the same thing over and over because it's comfortable. You know, kids change every year. So why is, is doing this? Like they're different kids every year. So why do we do the same thing every year? Right? Yeah. And then, so. you know, it's very interesting. That kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of Ryan Scott, even on the show. And I had put up a video and kind of hit a couple of nerves there. Some people, uh, you know, just that quote, but he said, you know, we're teaching kids the way we were taught, you know, are we really helping them out to prepare them for the future? And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's very important. You know, future of learning is different. Yeah. You know, future of work is different. So, you know, just instead of having them do citations on note cards, you know, that Google, you know, will do that automatically and cite sources, you know, so. Like you yeah. said, it's like, it's about helping them find resources now to find solutions to those problems and things of that sort. So, right. Helping them be the hunters for, for problem solving stuff, right? Like yeah. there's something out there that'll help them do it. And we just have to, we have to help kids be discerners, right? How, they, how do they discern what, what resources are good, what resources are not good, what sources are helpful or unhelpful? You know what I mean? Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like. As a, as a history teacher, I always told my kids, like, I'm not going to have you memorize dates. That doesn't matter to me. Like you can, we can look up any date you want to look up and it'll be the same. <laughs> Every time we look it up, that date's going to be the same. It's not going to change. But what I think is imp- what I always told them, what I thought was important was the how and the why and the, what came next, right? What triggered the next thing that built on this, that did that, that story part of it was important to me, 
not, you know, 1215, the Magna Carta. I think that's the year, right? Like that, that's not the part that was important to me, but how did the Magna Carta influence the English Bill of Rights? And how did that influence the Declaration of Independence? How did each of these things and how did those influence what we had in, um, in the, in, in, you know, in the constitution? That is the, you know, is how we do that. That's a really good quote from Amanda. We're teaching with we're teaching Wi-Fi kids landline strategies. That's that's a really good quote. That is awesome. <laughs> Fires. You drop the mic there, right? Because I remember having to go to the library and do a research paper, and like my mom had to drive me to a big library, not our little town library, but the next town over, to go do like a real city library to do research for a paper I was writing and having to write them all on note cards, right? And having to do all those things. We don't have to do that anymore. Research isn't done that way, but I know, and I love, I love my educators. I love teachers, but I know that there's a teacher who's still doing that, who's still going, you got to go to the library to get resources. It's 2021. There's a library online. Right. Yes. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And thank you, Amanda, for that comment. <laughs> Mic drop right there. That was awesome. All right, Joshua. It's been awesome having you on the show, but we're still not done. Let's All right. Let's go down to our little questions here. It's kind of we, uh, you know, come to the tail end of the show here. And so I know we didn't hit your origin story. And normally I love to start <laughs> with the origin story. But I know that that might actually have to be a second show just to get the origin story because I know we went off on some great things on building feedback and the work that you're doing. And I really thank you for that because what you shared can be something that could be very useful for many districts as they try and find ways to get that feedback. So things like the Peter Piper night and, you know, the, the stuff that you do with your staff and with multi-tiered systems of support and TSS, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that too as well. I mean... Yeah, this is amazing. And these are great tips that many uh, administrators might be listening to right now, meeting some teachers and might bring up. But, you know, as we kind of, you know, wind down, um, I just wanted to know a little bit, yeah. as far as your teaching, you know, or going into teaching, if you can just give us a brief, uh, you know, summary. Of, is it something that you really wanted to do right from the get-go? Or was it something that you kind of just, you know, forked in the road yeah. and kind of fell into? So for me, um, I wanted to go into graphic design and uh, commercial design. Like I wanted to do, I was going to be an art major, right? That was my, that was my move. Um, I was going to go to school in Chicago. I had it all planned out. And then my parents said, if you leave the state, we don't think that we're going to be able to help you with college. And so I was like, well, the only, like the program I want to go to is two years. It's in Chicago. That's out of state. I was, you know, I grew up in Michigan. And so I was like, okay, so let's rethink what I can do. And I will be honest, I grew up in Michigan where, and I was a kid who wanted to get through college and know what I was doing as soon as I was going to graduate. And friends were like, I'm going into communications. You can do anything with communications. I'm like, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I, need, I needed an end game for me. And so I really, um, I was a kid who was a... I liked school as the learning part of it. I didn't always love the, the, the social aspect of school all the time, right? Like I went to, I went to school in a really small town. A lot of my friends were punk kids from other towns and, and like if I were to do a reunion, it would be with the kids I went to shows with, not necessarily the kids I went to high school with. Right. 
But for me, I really love social studies. I loved history. I love politics. Those were things that I really dug when I was in high school. And so I said, okay, well, how about I be a teacher, right? I had a, I had a, a band teacher. Um, I was a student aide and he gave me the opportunity to go teach his fourth grade classes. Like I said, really small town, same band instructor, fourth grade to 12th grade. Uh, he would let me go down. And when he was absent, he would tell his sub, oh, Josh is going to teach the class today. So I had, a, I had a, a band instructor who let me like be a teacher. When he was out, the sub would sit there and I would take the fourth and fifth graders through band that day. I, had, I was a student aide. I had a period where those two half an hour, fourth and fifth grade classes were during. Um, and that's part of the reason he had me be that aide that hour. Uh, I could go down and, and, and teach those classes. And so um, and then I, I, and this is, I think if you're a teacher, you either had a great teacher who you're like, oh, that teacher made me want to be a teacher. I had a teacher, I loved history, but I had an incredibly boring history teacher. Great guy. I thought he was dry and sarcastic and great, but incredibly boring as a teacher, right? Like he was the guy who would write the notes on the board and then you'd walk in and you'd spend the first 10 minutes of class copying them all down, right? Like that was, that was school. And so um, I was like, I'm the guy who always goes like, I think I could do that better. Right. Like that's my personality. So everything I've done in my career as an educator has been like, oh, I think I could do that better. I'm going to go try that. Let's see if I can do that better. And so that was me becoming a teacher. I love politics. I love the history. So I'm going to go do that. I'm going to try to be better than, um, you know, teachers that I had. I'm going to try to be more interesting and more fun and more engaging. Um, and that's what got me into education. It was a decision. I couldn't go to art school. So I loved that. Um, I loved learning. And so I was like, okay, I'll go be a teacher. Let's see how that works. And as soon as I student taught, literally, um, I student taught um, seventh grade American, seventh grade American history, or actually it was seventh grade geography and eighth grade American history. I fell in love. It was the, it was the best semester of my life. I was like, okay, I did the right thing. Yes, this is, this is it, right? I got to bring my guitar in. Uh, we made, you know, board games about uh, Antarctica and we learned, you know, because it was geography. And so we learned all sorts of stuff and uh, we did, an, a, you know, a section on ancient Egypt. And it was a blast. I had a blast. And so I was like, OK, I did the right thing. This is it. This is what I'm going to do. So nice. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I don't know. But yeah, having you say that you wanted to go to art or graphic design. You are you the one that does all the yeah I, I graphics I, I do all the graphics for once you for, said that I was like ah okay now I know who does all the graphics and everything because man your graphics are definitely off the book I definitely love that so that's yeah wonderful that's like my moment of zen like that's what I do like when I've got spare time I'm like oh I'm gonna make something for this I'm gonna do something this week that's the thing that I kind of like oh ah, right like that's for me I I, that was all stuff I had to do as a punk rock kid, right? I learned how to do Photoshop and Illustrator and make flyers and do CD covers and tape covers all as a punk rock kid. And I still use it today as an educator, right? Like, oh, I've got to make a flyer for Peter Piper Pizza Night. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, so from the last time that you were here on the show with yeah. Mike, we had you both on. Uh, and I know I asked you what your edukryptonite is. Yeah. Did you speak? Is there anything else that has popped up recently that you would say is your current edgy kryptonite or run along with edgy speak? Uh, I, th I think, you know, one of the things that is tough for me is um, my edgy kryptonite is stacking initiative on initiative. That's tough for me. It, and I think it's tough for every educator. We don't get enough time sometimes to learn one system. 
before we add another system to it or we take it away and we say, nope, we're going to do this one. And so I, I think like we had about a year and a half during the height of the pandemic where districts were like, we're not going to put anything new on anybody. We're not going to, we're just going to, we're just going to teach and we're going to do, and teachers got to teach and teachers got to like be with, you know, students and try new things. And now I think we're back to, okay, we're back here to try this. And we're going to do this one too. And let's try this too. And we're going to do this. And don't forget, we got to try this implementation. And that's tough. You know, I, I think for me, that that's a, that's a hard thing to do is to go, we're already trying to teach kids and now we're going to balance, you know, five things on top of that, right? Five new systems, five new ways to do things. When really we should be trying to go like, what can we take away? What, what did we not need during the pandemic that we probably don't need anymore? You know? Yeah, I like that. What right. We take off the plate. Come on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh. One more, well, a couple more, just two more yeah. questions. But sure. next one is, what is the best piece of advice that you carry with you at all times? Oh, man. I'd, so I, I think for me, it comes down to, um, there's, there's a quote by Howard Zinn that I think is a really important quote. It's, you can't be neutral on a moving train, right? So for me, it comes down to, I've always been a person who said, I want to be involved in that because I don't. I want to be, I want to be involved in the decision. I want to be involved in the action. I want to be involved in what happens. If you want to think about it, you can either be on the table or at the table. Um, I'd rather be at the table than on the table, right? Like what's being, I'd rather be the one who's, who's, you know, dining rather than the person who's being dined on. Right. So, um, those are things for me. And that's always been a part of me as an educator, as a if first year teacher, I was involved in our bargaining as a first year teacher in my district. Um, I moved districts. I sat on our superintendent's employee council. I helped design our evaluation system as a third year teacher, right? Um, I've always been that person. I, I chaired a statewide initiative, um, to increase education funding in the state of Arizona, right? So I've always been the person who said, yep, I want to be there. I want to be at the table. I'll do it. And sometimes that's tough, um, because it maybe is a little more work than I, than I maybe should do or a little more work than I, that I want to do. Um, and it's, I know, you know, my wife and I have had to juggle a bunch of stuff, but for me, if I want to make change, if, if I want things to change, I got to make the change, you know? I love that. Love that. That is awesome. That is some great, great advice. Any first year teachers that are out there, even, you know, whatever year you on, that is definitely some great advice it kind of changes your perspective on things to be active. And of course, you know, we can always say what we want change, but what are we doing ourselves yeah. to help move that change? So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Josh. And last but not least, also, if you and I were to switch roles, as you were interviewing me right now, what is one question you'd like to ask me? All right, Fonz, here's my question. Are you ready for this? All right. Um, as, as, a, as my ed tech life, What's your go-to piece of uh, tech resource for teachers? What's, what's your, what's your go-to piece for people? What should they learn? What should they use? What should they learn? What should they use? The yeah. easiest thing that I would say would probably be, well, I'm going to throw two in there. Okay. Number one, if I was a teacher and still in the classroom, I would definitely be using IORAD. IORAD is a great little tutorial builder. So it records your clicks. 
And so if a student comes in and maybe they don't know how to work the software, the teacher can go ahead and just do a quick little demo. Instead of a video, it'll just record the clicks, it sends the link, and the student can just click through and see everything. Because sometimes the video can be very time consuming and there's teachers that are out there, oh, I didn't get this video right. I didn't get this video right. It can take forever. So definitely IORAD. For all my administrators, I definitely recommend IORAD because it will save you some time when you do create those tutorials. Also for teachers, you can go ahead and just send the link. Teachers can click through and see everything there. So that would be number one, IORAD. Number two, for teachers, one of my favorite tools that has just so much stuff built in uh, would be Kami. For sure, if you're not using Kami, please make sure you get on the Kami train or see me about Kami um, to help you out because Kami allows you to annotate on PDFs. But not only that, it'll allow you to also screen record and you can record notes within that PDF that you can share with your staff, you can share with your students as well. And the students can also record themselves giving, I mean, they can do their reading and then the teacher can assess reading, show growth, like, hey, this is where the student started. This is where they're at now. So now you've got a video artifact. If you ever need to take it to an RTI, take it to a meeting and so on. So definitely IRAD and Cami, my two top picks always that I recommend. Well, I know Cami. So now I'm going to have to go and check out the other one because I am the guy who builds a slideshow about how to connect your TV to how to connect your computer, to your TVs. I'm like, I can't ask, I can't answer this question this many times. I'm going to make one tutorial so I can share it. So I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check it out. They have an extension. It's a, you know, the Google web store. So check it out. I write, they're great. And, but yeah, that's about it. But Man. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. And I definitely want to give a shout out here, Punk Rock Classrooms. Make sure that you do check out their website, punkrockclassrooms.com, where you can learn a little bit more about Mike Earnshaw, the ECO. He is, or actually, no, sorry, it's CCO. I forget. It's Chief Culinary Officer. <laughs> this guy, Mike Earnshaw, yeah, I love it. I have, I have both of you on here. So Chief Culinary Officer, because he definitely serves up some great stuff for PD. If you haven't checked out his book, Please make sure you check out his book. It is great, great resource, great tips for administrators on how to build community and activities for your teachers as well. And of course, all of that could easily be translated into the classroom. And so I, that's one of the things that I love about it. So make sure you check them out. And of course, make sure you check out, of course, our chief riffing officer, Josh Buffley, right here. So you can check out all the episodes. And usually it's like every Monday they're releasing episodes. Yep. Is that correct, Josh? Every Monday we drop an episode, so we just put down getting knocked down and getting back up uh, Monday, and then uh, we have a new, we're going to do a, our yearly thankful episode. So Mike and I record some thank you notes, and we put those up. That'll be up on Monday as our kind of a short 10-minute episode to kind of say thank you, to say what we're thankful for for the year, what's going on with us. So, But yeah, so every Monday we drop a new episode. Perfect. So please make sure you check them out, especially this one. Again, if you want to hear more about what we our discussion, Definitely go check this one out of Josh on uh, his reflection on feedback. But every episode is definitely great. This last one, also getting knocked down and getting back up, was a great episode. I mean, if you want to hear an administrator, just be very transparent and very open and showing you that, hey, we're only human and that the job is not as easy as one can say because we can be one of those uh, Monday morning quarterbacks all the time. Check out the episode, and that's why it's important. Like, I truly believe these gentlemen, you know, it's build a scene, you build your support system, and then you just move on and just yeah. 
change education. So Josh, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I appreciate all your work, uh, everything, all the insight that you shared with us today. You were amazing. Thank you so much, my friend. And thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. Anytime. And, you know, I'll love to have you guys back on anytime. You know, we, we always have some great conversations with you for guys. Sure. I'm sure, you know, that we seeing things through those different lenses is definitely powerful. And for everybody watching us, everybody who joined us today or is going to be rewatching, thank you so much, as always, for making my head tech life what it is today. I appreciate all of your support as we continue to move on into 2022. Uh, you know, make sure that you follow us on our website. Check us out, myadtech.live. Connect with us on Twitter. We're all over social media. So just check us out. Don't be afraid to send us a DM. Give us some feedback. What are we doing great? What, what can we do better? You know, give us some suggestions of some guests that you'd love to have on. I'm always looking and open to learn from new people and bring that learning to others. So just drop us a line. But my friends, our time is up for today on this special Friday episode of My Ed Tech Live. But as always, my friends, don't forget, stay techy. Thank <laughs> you.